Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda. Hello and welcome to The Agenda. I'm Stephen Cole. And then there were two. In just over a week, France will have its next president. But will it be a return to the Lycée Palace for Emmanuel Macron? Or can Marine Le Pen pull off one of the biggest political upsets of the century? As expected, in just over a week's time, Emmanuel Macron will face off against Marine Le Pen to become the next president of France. In 2017, when they last met in the second round of the presidential elections, Macron romped home with 66% of the vote. But this time around, it looks like a far tighter race, with some even predicting that Le Pen could find herself with the keys to the Elysee. With me now to consider what all that means for France, the European Union, and indeed the world at large are Jacques Reland, Senior Research Fellow at the Global Policy Institute, Bruno Cotre from the Sciences Po University in Paris, and Dr Paul Smith, political scientist from the University of Nottingham. Gentlemen, it looks as though it's going back five years, doesn't it? Macron versus Le Pen. And I wonder what is different this time around. And let's start with you, Jacques. Yeah, the difference this time is that uh, Marine Le Pen got a better score, three points more, and that she looks like she could attract some votes from even the left, which means that she could be challenging Macron. This time it won't be two-third, one-third. Uh, all opinion, opinion poll institutes tend to say it's between 46 Le Pen, 54 Macron. Some even say 49 Le Pen, uh, 51 Macron, so it will be too close to call. So this time, because of the level of anger that exists in France, many people will not go and vote for Macron. Macron presents for people on the left a much more reasonable option. Uh, Marine Le Pen for them is a demon, because even if in her program she uh, sounded very good at a good left, uh, uh, left-wing economic program, she's a bit of a, she was a bit of a wolf in sheep's clothing during that campaign. She, managed, she made a very good campaign in which she appeared like a very gentle, much calmer than before, concentrated on the issue that matters the most to the people uh, we are not at the top society, to the people who find it hard to make ends meet. And uh, she concentrated on this issue of cost of living and therefore uh, attracted a lot of vote. But this concentration on cost of living hid the policies that she had were still very hard policies okay. on immigration and security, on Europe especially, and also it hid a bit the, the fact that her program is not very coherent. Okay. All right. Um, let's let's go to uh, Bruno. Uh, you heard what Jacques had to say. Um, a level of anger this time around. And what happened to the left? What's different this time around from five years ago, Bruno? It's a very different. Actually, it's a very different second round because uh, because Emmanuel Macron first is now incumbent. It is no longer the young Emmanuel Macron that, that never being elected before, elected at the age of thirty nine. Now he has uh, five more years, and all over the five more years, we've got a series of crises in France that makes completely different the situation. Don't uh, don't forget the yellow vest. The crisis it is still there. It is still there, but also the epidemic and the way that in the beginning uh, the French 
government was not managing it very well. It's not the same story at the end, obviously. So Emmanuel Macron is not at all in the same position. And also Marine Le Pen also. Not only everyone, everyone uh, is, is saying so. Everyone recognized that Marine Le Pen, she's doing an excellent campaign. Okay, she, she, she managed very well the situation in Ukraine, despite her Russian sympathies. So she did it quite well. And exactly as it was said, she's making a campaign which is a campaign of proximity, which is going in small cities, small rural areas. She's talking about concrete things. She's talking about uh, concrete buying, purchasing power. So actually, she's talking a lot to the, to not only to the workers, not only to the uh, low-level employees, but she's talking a lot to the middle class also. Right. Um, That's that's an interesting demographic. Dr. Smith, 58% of the voters in the first round backed a populist, nationalist or radical candidate. That's far higher than last time in 2017, isn't it? Yes, and I think that that theme of anger is very important, that we can't forget the Gilets Jaunes. You know, a lot of us talked back at the time of the Gilets Jaunes movement of the failure of people like Mélenchon and and to the French used the expression récupérer. They weren't able to get in control of that movement, but actually they didn't need to because Macron failed with the Grand Débat National. He failed to really respond. He tried to respond. I mean, he capped it off, politically speaking. He did an excellent job of stopping them. He didn't respond to that anger. And so that anger, simply sitting there and waiting, he captured this time round in 2022, I don't know if Mélenchon and Le Pen thought at the time, perhaps they did, that they didn't need to try and get control of the Gilets because all they had to do was wait until 2022. Now, I'm not convinced that all of Mélenchon's voters actually are as radically left. They've looked at the other alternatives on the left and said, these are not serious alternatives. But nevertheless, I think that that idea of a France that is still angry or frustrated or wondering about how to finish off you know, uh, paying its bills at the end of the month for the cost of living. That is a France that's very real. All right. Um, Bruno, how do you see the votes from the failed candidates spreading out, especially those who voted for Mélenchon and Zemmour in the first round? Um, not exactly the same situation. The electorate of Eric Zemmour is going to vote quasi-exclusively for Marine Le Pen. Not only Eric Zemmour clearly called to vote for Marine Le Pen on the eve of uh, in the evenings of that first of the of the first round, but also many people that accompany Eric Zemmour are actually coming from the Rassemblement National or from the far right. So they would get, I would think, they will blindly vote for Marine Le Pen. Most of them, which is clearly a reservoir for Marine Le Pen, mm-hmm. the situation is not exactly the same for the centre right, uh, Valérie Pécresse electorate. Uh, the Valérie Pécresse electorate is going to vote for Macron. It's going to be their first vote in the second round. It's going to be about 40, according to a poll that was published on today. But a little bit more than 20 is going to vote for Marine Le Pen. And finally, we have the electorate of Jean-Luc Mélenchon. They have exactly the same anger and the same frustration, and they have the same antipathy to Emmanuel Macron. They just hate Emmanuel Macron. But they are also they are also driven by their anti-Lapinism. It, it is estimated that maybe about 15 to 20 percent of the Jean-Luc Mélenchon voters 
would vote for Marine Le Pen, which start to be, I would say, start to be quite quite a lot because if you are, if you just accumulate the small rivers, at the end, the small river can do something big. Right, of course it can. Um, uh, Jacques, who does um, uh, Mr. Macron need to convince to take him to the winning post? Uh, he's already apparently demographically established his credentials with the over 60s, but who else does he need to convince? This time in the second round, he needs to convince the left because he alienated it in the first round. Uh, when he made a big, in my opinion, a big mistake with hindsight, it's very easy to say, uh, when uh, he announced that he was going to put the retirement age, push retirement age to 65, a measure which 72% of French people do not approve, and that it would link supplementary benefit to some form of work or training. And at the time, he was riding high in a poll. It was just after the start of the war. It was at 32%. And he was trying to attract uh, the Valérie Pécresse electorate. But Valérie Pécresse, as we see, has fallen to 7%. He's no longer at 32%. And he's realized that he's, from all his program, the only two things that people in France remember is these two measures, pension at 65 and supplementary benefit uh, condition. So now is rowing back, as we've seen, even, uh, I think it's last night, he announced that uh, maybe it wouldn't be 65, he's ready to bring it down to 64. So we see that now he's trying to really attract the left. And his acceptance speech was destined to show that he was the man who has changed, he will be less arrogant, he will involve everyone. And <laughs> Which is what politicians always character. say on the stump and electioneering. So, yeah, so, so new I promises. Your speech was, was <laughs> uh, quite amazing. Everyone had something to benefit from a campaign. That's what you're going to say, isn't it, on the road. Uh, Dr. Smith, yeah. what about the youth vote? I said he, I, I, as I said to Jack, he's convinced uh, the over 60s, the over 65s, who are you know, fine and all set. But what about the youth vote and what about social media? Who are, who, are, who are the young going to vote for in the next round? Well, that's a very big question. There's been a lot of focus in the media about the number of young people. I mean, once upon a time, we thought the young people voted to the left. That was always, you know, the kind of the, the, the go-to image, the cliched image of, of, uh, of young people across the board. And that's changed. And the real question is, you know, so there's been a lot of focus, sorry, on, on how young people are voting for the right, Génération uh, Identitaire, and all these kind of movements. Now, whether that's actually actually true across the board is, is difficult to tell. I don't think Macron has very much in his arsenal to attract young voters, on it, to be honest. I think that the, the discussion is there about pensions. It's about, it's about the welfare system, which is not really engaging the young. The one area that the young in front, the one thing that French, French youth are worried about is employment. But the problem is trying to get the message over about how his programme, or indeed for her, her programme, would change the problem of structural youth unemployment amongst the French, or indeed to actually convince French youth that the structural unemployment is not as uh, monolithic as they, as they might think, because actually... The employment situation in France is a lot more fluid than tends to be thought, but there is still something of a perception among young people about employment. All right, Dr. Smith, we're going to pause there. Gentlemen, we're going to take a slight break, but do stay with us. 
uh, still have to come here on the agenda as we consider what this French election might mean for the future of the European Union. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda. Welcome back to The Agenda. And welcome back to this French election special. Before the break, we talked about just what might be different this time around from five years ago, when Emmanuel Macron last faced Marine Le Pen in a runoff for the French presidency. So now let's look at what the international effect of this vote might be. Still with me are Jacques Reland, Senior Research Fellow at the Global Policy Institute, and Dr. Paul Smith, Political Scientist from the University of Nottingham. Uh, Jacques, Mr. Macron received a boost in popularity at the start of the conflict uh, in Ukraine. But then his diplomatic credentials took a bit of a, a, a blow, didn't it, with people accusing him of being naive. In France, people gave him credit for his efforts as uh, trying to find a solution, even if it was very difficult. Uh, Macron did not portray himself as a leader of war, as Thatcher did in uh, 82, but as a leader of peace, slightly different. But now that the situation is a bit uh, stuck uh, in uh, in Ukraine, people are less worried about the war and the consequences and the possibility of a war uh, in Europe. They are more concerned about the consequences of this war on their uh, welfare, on the on the cost of living. They're worried about the inflation that has resulted from uh, the situation in Ukraine. So that's uh, different. So the. So Ukraine is not a negative for him, but it's not a positive anymore. Now okay. people are concentrating on other issues. And, uh, but at the same time, it's true, it is seen as a much better leader. Uh, Marine Le Pen said only less than 10 days ago that in the future, for the future of France, the future alliance he should make, uh, main, our main friend, our main ally should be Russia. So it's something, you know, we, in this campaign, a new campaign has started now. It's the second round. And this time, Marine Le Pen, who had been given a fairly easy ride by the press, etc., and who managed to focus on just on some of the topics which appeal to uh, her base, to the grassroots in France, especially to the people with low, on lower income. She no longer says that she wants to leave uh, Europe, but the policies that she would enact means that it would be an unmitigated, unmitigated disaster for Europe, much a stronger negative effect than Brexit. She she claims she doesn't want to leave Europe, but she wants to uh, renegotiate some treaties. She wants to cut French budget contributions. She wants to restrict some uh, social benefits to French citizens. And uh, she refuses to respect the decision of the European Courts of Human Rights. And it would create a clash at the moment when France is in a, has managed to achieve a leading role in the European Union. Europe has become more French in the last few years. Before, Europe was very German. And he will, I suppose, insist on that, and which, which should be 
for many people who are care about the European Union, who realize that the, uh, that the strength of France depends on the strength of Europe, will, I think, they'll, they will, uh, they will push, plumb for, for, some people for, for Macron. Think, Dr. Dr. Smith, when, when we've covered a lot of ground there with, with Jacques, um, and I'm wondering about Marine Le Pen's uh, relationship with Putin, how damaging that might be in the end, and whether Macron will focus on that. But also, picking up on Jacques's point, what the election might mean for the future of Europe if Europe was to lose the two powerhouses, if you like, of the European Union, Macron and, of course, Merkel gone. There are two very important things there. I think that, that Macron, if he's got any sense, will we'll tackle her on the, on the Putin link. This is the gloves have to come off in the second round. We can't, we can't fool around anymore. We don't have to, uh, you know, we can't, um, we can't play about with this. The future of Europe is absolutely in the balance. But also, of course, within Mélenchon's electorate, there are a lot of left-wing voters. Although Mélenchon is himself Eurosceptic, there are a lot of people who voted for Mélenchon because they didn't think much of the other left-wing candidates, but who are pro-European. And there are pro-Europeans in the Pécles camp, and they will, you know, when it comes to the question of Europe, they will vote for Macron because they are fundamentally progressives and they are fundam fundamentally pro-European. That has to be a line that Macron pushes because the election of the French president, okay, so foreign policy doesn't necessarily win you an election, but it's a fundamental part of the French presidential identity. Jacques, we've, we've, we've talked about many of the issues in this election except immigration. Is that the elephant in the room? Are the French uh, still angry about immigration or is that a big issue or is it being downplayed? It's an issue that has taken a back seat throughout the campaign. At the start of the campaign, it definitely was the big issue because it had been put there at the heart, at the core of the debate by Eric Zemmour. And uh, the issue of immigration, identity, insecurity, and Islam, thinking that all the problems were linked with, with that. And, but Eric Zemmour was so caricatural in his hatred of immigrants and of Islam. Uh, basically, uh, that uh, it kind of killed, in a way, the issue. And Marine Le Pen herself was very clever not to talk about it. People know that she's not uh, very friendly to immigrants and to Islam, etc. But she did not need to press that point because Emur, Zemmour was playing that card for her. So she concentrated on the economy. But a program on a program would be very dangerous for immigrants. She has a fairly radical program anti-immigration. She wants to end. Uh, she wants to change the constitution. She wants to. Uh, remove some of the basic principles which are at the heart of the French Republic, which are set out in the preamble of the Constitution. She would uh, reserve some social benefits to uh, just uh, French nationals. And at the same time, she's also trying to put a nice image of her that she's not a threat that, to Islam. That she, like, she even accepted to have a selfie taken of her with a woman wearing a hijab. But in her program, she clearly says that the hijab its scarf will be forbidden everywhere in France. You will be able to wear it in the street, in public transport. So that's, that's quite uh, a that's quite a change of direction, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's there. But it's seismic now, for Marine Le Pen. She, has, she hasn't been challenged on that. She hasn't. She will probably be challenged. And a big thing in France will be the debate, which will take place in the on the twentieth between Macron television debate between Macron and Le Pen, where all these issues 
will uh, be brought to the fore. Yes, uh, well, the, the, debate, the, the debate could well decide the result of the election. I mean, television debates have taken on an incredibly important status. Paul, immigration, uh, what are the national issues? Raising the pension age, um, the economy, unemployment, cost of living. Which of these are most important in the end for the second round? Well, I think the cost of living. I mean, it's quite clear that all of the all of the analyses that we've seen, all the really deep analyses that have drilled down into opinion, the top of the list has been in French, the cost of living is the is the height is the biggest concern. But all of these things try to feed off of those. That will be the that will be the the real focus. Um, there will be all of the other issues that you mentioned there. Obviously, pensions is coming a close second because it's affecting an awfully large slice of the electorate. We've seen, as Jacques mentioned earlier, uh, that uh, already Macron has talked about the possibility of negotiating over that, that he's not fixed uh, in his views, uh, that he's listening to the electorate. All of those issues, immigration is far down the list, uh, but it may be something that either Le Pen wants to bring up or that Macron will tackle her over in the debate. All of these things will come out. It's going to be a long debate. Remember, the French love a good, long political debate. So all of the issues will be tackled. But above all, the real problem for Macron, I think, during this campaign is that he's not been audible and his programme has not been easily easy to read. Because he's joined the so campaign much... trail quite late, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, and that's part of the problem. There's been so much background noise. I mean, he was planning to use coming out of the pandemic as his platform, bring forward his programme, and then the war broke. And yes, it gave him a boost, but it was, it was a distraction. And it's always been very difficult for him to say, this is what I'm going to do next. Because there's been so much, so much of his, his term of office has been completely clouded by the Gilets jaunes movement. Well, that was, a, you know, that was a movement. It was important. The pandemic, the war. This has not been a normal five-year term. So the idea of almost finishing off the business from the first term and then taking the next term forward, that's become very, very clouded. And he needs to use that debate. He needs to use the next two weeks to make that programme clear to French people. And I don't think he's done a very good job of that. And it's his own fault. I mean, I think people in his own camp admit that they shouldn't wait for long. All right. Well, Dr. Smith, and uh, Jacques, thank you both very much for talking to us here on the agenda. Pleasure. Thank you. Before he was elected in 2017, Mr Macron warned that war and conflict are not behind us in Europe. They were prescient words. His efforts at foreign diplomacy, bridging the EU with Moscow, were applauded, despite the lack of results. But the conflict has also exposed the contradictions of his three main rivals on the hard left and the hard right in France, who have all scrambled to deny or withdraw past sympathy for Mr Putin. And it's been a challenging year for Macron, not at all what he expected when France assumed the rotating presidency of the EU Council on January the 1st. It was the ideal dovetail as he readied himself for re-election, the consolidation of his power as head of the Republic and, to all intents and purposes, Europe. Angela Merkel had just shuffled off the international stage and the new Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, had the appearance of a rather bland successor. Macron envisaged himself the de facto president of Europe, but now we must wait and see if French voters feel the same. But bear this in mind. When Le Pen's father faced Jacques Chirac in the second round in 2002, the far-right candidate received just 18% of the vote. Fifteen years later, 
his daughter got almost 34%. In a France once more obsessed by its own demographic decline, the unthinkable is increasingly becoming thinkable, the unsayable becoming sayable. Nothing now can be discounted. If Macron is re-elected president, Brussels will have at its heart once more its greatest cheerleader. Whether he will be able to renew Europe remains to be seen. Macron is desperate to be the saviour of the European Union, but he might end up being its last true believer. The simple fact remains, however, that never has France's nationalist right been so close to power. After winning 28% of the vote to Marine Le Pen's 23%, Emmanuel Macron will now attempt to assemble a Republican front against her. He's got the second-round opponent he always wanted. A poll put Macron ahead of Le Pen in the second round by just 51% to 49%. Having barely campaigned in the first round, he is unlikely to be so detached in the second. Coming up on a future agenda, heading for famine, we'll consider the devastating impact the conflict in Ukraine may have on world hunger. But for now, from me, Stephen Cole, and all the Agenda team here in London, it's goodbye.